morning, and uh, it's great to see a nice group here today. I know some of you are new, especially in light of uh, a testimony that's going to happen here in a little bit. But uh, thanks for being a part of the awakening this morning. My name is Carrie, and as lead pastor, I just would like to take everybody out for lunch and just get to know you more and, and hang with you. I, you know, the, the hours, uh, the minutes on Sunday morning are so short sometimes. I'm like, oh, just, just hang more. I want to connect. And, but, you know, so call me up. We'll have lunch. How about that? That kind of thing. So. We uh, continue a series today that we've been in for a couple of weeks called Relationology, the Elements of Building Great Relationships. So across the spectrum of our relationships, where their relationship with friends, with co-workers, with relatives, with our spouse, with our kids, what are some of the key critical elements that build great relationships over the course of time? In the last a uh, couple of weeks, we've looked at two elements. One is love, and that love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Last week, we looked at the word of respect and how a respect is uh, not um, an, you know, a wishful thinking, but it's something that's commanded of Scripture for us to respect, especially in our marriages, one with another. Today, we are going to look at the element of grace and the need for grace to continually be an identifying factor in every relationship we have. But I think in particular, grace is needed most in the confines of marriage. Yesterday was a special anniversary date, 11th anniversary for a couple that's a part of our uh, church family, Dane and Janelle Nelson. And I have asked Dane and Janelle to come and to share their story on the heels of their 11th anniversary because I think you will um, be taken back by how God's grace has worked in this young couple's life in the first decade and year now of their marriage. Will you give your uh, support to Jane and Dane and Janelle? So well, good morning. Hello, we're excited to be here. I'll get myself untangled. <laughs> well, like Pastor Carrie said, yesterday was our 11-year um, wedding anniversary. And anniversaries have evolved with us. We never were big on, like, we're in Tahiti for 10 years or anything. We don't have money like that. But um, yesterday really was one of those anniversaries where we really just wanted a quiet day and where we're not signing permission slips and playing Legos. And we just really wanted to eat, enjoy each other, binge on Netflix, (laughs) enjoy some Costco cheese, and just kind of um, have a very relaxing, um, enjoy each other kind of day. And we did. We went to bed early. but in that, we also prepared for today as well. Um, we were originally supposed to speak next weekend, and we planned it that way because we wanted this weekend to be a celebration of what God has done in our life. And we didn't want what we didn't want was to go back and open old wounds that can be very painful, and go back to the most painful days of our marriage um, when we're trying to celebrate. But it didn't work out that way. Dane is being sent to Illinois next week, and we were worried he wouldn't be back in time. So we had just a couple days to come up here. And uh, the good thing is is we know our story very well. (laughs) We've lived it. It's about to get really real. (laughs) Um, But in that, going back and unpacking some of those wounds that were very painful, um, we saw God's hand in the smallest of parts of those details and then the biggest parts and details of our story. And it didn't get too ugly, I promise you. And uh, so here we are, alive to tell it. So uh, 11 years ago, I got my girlfriend pregnant, okay? <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go about it right. We didn't, you know, I mean, we did. We went and got married. We did what the world does. That's you get married and you just move on. And it was... It had been seven years, and it wasn't the perfect marriage, but it's all I knew. I didn't know what a marriage was supposed to be, so I was on the road. I drive trucks, so I was gone a lot. She took care of the kids. I'd come on the weekends. We'd do the normal things, but it was broken, and we fought a lot, and after a lot of fighting, and I never re- even really put my heart into my marriage. I just figured, yeah, we'll get divorced like everyone else, I'm sure. Um, so after seven years, though, it was real bad, and I remember driving back from Arizona one time, and I called my mom, and I was like, like, this is bad. I don't know what's going on with my marriage. 
something's wrong. And I had always believed in God, and I'd prayed when I was a little kid, but I didn't know who I was praying to, and I didn't really even know what was who I was talking to or anything about God. And she said, you know, why don't you just pray and ask God to reveal what's wrong with your marriage? And I was like, oh, it's worth a shot. So I prayed and just kept driving and probably fighting with her the rest of the day. And two days later, God freaking turned my world upside down, and he revealed to me exactly what was going on. My wife was in a year-long affair, and it was messy. It was really bad. She was checked out for me completely. So, yes. <laughs> he likes to end at that spot. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Not quite fair. <laughs> no, no. But, um, yes, I was completely checked out. Um, when we started our marriage, you kind of start with a little toolbox, and when you're first married, you kind of start with what you're raised with, you kind of what your examples are and who you see and who you respect, and that toolbox builds as your marriage grows. Um, ours only just got emptier and emptier. And I think as, as time went on and I kept reaching into my toolbox and realizing that there were no tools to grab, I started reaching outside of the box and start, started seeing, wow, that looks good over there. There, were, It's working for them over there. I'm going to pick up that. And that was not what God intended for me to pick up. He had a box prepared for me, for me and Dane. And that box did not um, include picking up the attention of other people or um, the approval of another man. And um, it becomes really easy when the basic needs that God gives us, that are not bad needs that we have, and they're not being met, it becomes easier and easier to look outside the natural source to find something to fill what is needed. So I started to fill what was needed and escape the reality that my marriage was extremely broken. And over a period of time, I I rationalized that, okay, well, I'll escape and come back. I'll be the best mom I can be, and I'll just survive this marriage. But that wasn't working. Over time, you realize when you live a lie, you're living a lie, and it becomes a living hell. Sin is sin. Wages of sin are death. Literally, I was dying inside, living a double life, um, expecting to come home and kind of vacate what we had. On the outside, it looked absolutely amazing. By these pictures, you could probably guess that nobody would really um, think anything was really wrong, but um, it was. So moving on from there, Dane found out that I was in this long-term affair, and I really wasn't uh, begging for forgiveness at that point. Why on earth would I ever want to go back into a marriage that was broken in the first place? The first reason why I was looking outside that box, what was I going back to? What was I um, so desperately wanting to um, return to? And that was not where my heart was. In fact, I was really closed off, and the enemy had me in the perfect place. He had me reaching still further and further and further away, not towards God, not towards um, wisdom or, you know, anybody to look towards. He had me reaching towards more worldly things. Yeah, and so at this point, we had a choice. We can go down two roads. We can do, like, mostly what the world does, which is just divorce and move on. And we both come from divorced families, and it's ugly, and it's ugly for the kids, and it, it never gets better. You're still stuck with that person for the rest of your life dealing with that same stuff and the poor kids involved so we didn't want to go that route and I was sitting on the couch one day her mom had uh, given me some her mom had been through kind of the same situation as I had and she had given me some online support that I could go look at so I went online and did some research I watched a pretty cool movie fireproof horrible acting but good movie (laughs) and uh and that's like exactly where I was at I was just like that guy you know and and he had to fight for his wife and that's what I had to do too and I had to it really, sitting on the couch, I felt God tell me, you're going to stay, and you're going to make this work, and so I did, and I stayed, and I totally felt God just, like, transform my heart, and I feel like that's the time when God really came into my life, and uh, instead of me looking at her with disgust, like, I'm so angry with her, I was more looking at myself, and how I wasn't a husband to her at all, I didn't even give my marriage a chance ever, and I really wanted, I was, like, fighting, you know, I had the enemy in my house, and he's trying to take over my family, and I was fighting for my family, And that's what I did. Instead of being mad at her, I had to be nice to her. I mean, believe me, I wanted to bring it up every day of what she did. And when I would, I would just feel the Holy Spirit in me tell me, just stop. And just, you know, these are lies from the enemy. 
and you just have to move forward trusting me. And that's what I did. I trusted God, and, and it, it was day by day. It was brutal. I drive, you know, 15 hours a day sometimes, so all I'm doing all day is thinking. And it was some tough times. I'm, you know, crying and yelling at God. Probably looked funny going down the road, but <laughs> it it was tough, and it was day by day. I had to do it day by day. It wasn't like it, I can't. I wish I could sit up here and say it was so easy, but it was every single day. I had to just reflect on what God wanted in my life, and thankfully we made it work, and we just worked on it every day, and it was tough. But that's well. In addition to watching this whole transformation in Dane, I wasn't quite there. It took me a little bit longer to fully get on board. God had a plan, and it was better than my plan. And you would think I would get that because my life was pretty messy at that point. But I didn't have the best relationship with God. Um, All I had seen was broken marriages and a lot of pain in my family. So I could not fully trust God that he couldn't do that for my parents. How would he do that for my marriage? So I, I took a little bit longer, but as I watched Dane transform before my eyes, literally felt like overnight, but it really was over a period of a few weeks. Um, he was being nice to me. He was sending me flowers. He was asking me to date him. He was asking me to start over. And I just kept saying, like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you to treat me this way. Um, in fact, I'm kind of freaked out now. <laughs> I don't know if this is, I don't think this is right. And so I remember um, having those conversations saying, you really should be leaving me now. Like, do you realize what I did? Do you realize? And he stayed, and he stayed, and he persevered, and I could see him gritting his teeth when I would say, I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't understand why you're doing this. And he's still smiling through it and going, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm going to do it. And you know that strength came from, not from Dane's own strength, because if that was it, it would be the way it was before. But it came through the transformation of Christ in Dane and him submitting to God. And we decided four weeks after this had happened that we would go to church. I was convinced there was something happening here. I wanted a part of it. I had known God in my life, but I didn't, wasn't quite fully on board yet. But we go to church, and lo and behold, the series is on how to wreck your marriage. <laughs> And we walk in, and we're like, oh, great. God's speaking right to us right off the get-go. We sit in the back, and that's the service that we commit our lives and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And as we did that, we left, we thought, we decided if we're going to be serious about this, we have some pretty big choices to make. And one is that we're not going to get divorced. And that is literally a choice that we had to put up there up front and say we're taking this big, nasty D word and saying that this is not going to be our reality. This is not what we want for our children. This is not what we want for our marriage. And it's going to get low. And in those low times, we're going to want to pull out that big D word and we want to say, I pulled the D card, I'm leaving. And that's not what we wanted because we knew it was going to get low and nasty at times. So we made those choices, and we also decided that we need to start filling our toolbox up. We need to start filling it with what God intended for us, Um, seeking into his word, seeking good godly counsel, getting a Christian counselor, surrounding our lives in a Christian church, um, and really um, turning away from what got us there in the first place. We had to let go of any friendships that were not supporting our decision, and you would not believe the friendships that we lost, of people not supporting us to continue to work in our marriage um, because that's not the most popular thing. Yeah, what the world says. Like, I had friends at work. They're like, you know, if you have six months to waste, then go ahead. But, you know, I, you know it's not going to work. And I just told myself, no, I'm not going to be friends with those people anymore. So I made new friends. Um, I started listening to Christian music, which is awesome and motivating on the road. And yeah, just we just kept we kept at it, and it's been it's been a long ride. And I wish I could say like the pictures up there, like our our life is perfect, but it's not. It's a mess. And I know, <laughs> but it's on, gotten much better. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, still a mess. Believe me. Nothing's and daily, changed we at still all. have to. And daily through it, um, every act and step of obedience that we took towards God, He was faithful to us to bring healing. So each step, each day, and it, in the beginning it was minute to minute, hour by hour, day by day. And it, didn't, it seemed impossible that we'd never not think about it or we'd never escape it because we still live in the same town that this all happened. We still live in the same home. And that was, like, it seemed impossible. But every step of obedience toward God was abundantly, aboundingly, whatever the word is, 
faithful to us. And um, as that, as we watched that transformation, it became almost like fun. You kind of watch God and you kind of see like, okay, God, like you're testing me through this. Or you kind of like, you know, we kind of got that sense of God's trust. We're trusting him more. He's trusting us more with this. And as we grew with each other, um, God has brought us now four years later celebrating our 11th anniversary. And we finished our night out praying and thanking God. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We prayed and we thanked God last night. We thanked him for the 11 years that he's brought us through for our two, and I wasn't going to cry, but our two beautiful children and the life that we chose. People have no idea, so don't nobody tell them, okay? (laughs) Um, I'll say it again, our two beautiful children and, um, and the life that uh, to follow, leave everything behind, lay everything down at the cross and know that I am no better than Dane, that I had to forgive him of all the years of neglect and mistreatment and um, hurt and hard feelings. I wasn't perfect by any means either. And the same for you goes, right? You had to forgive me and, I mean, of the unforgivable of what most people um, end marriages over. And we had to realize that the cross was for this, was for this purpose, is for us. And um, we are forever grateful and thankful for that. And you never you never forget. I mean, it's still there, but it's crazy how I don't think about it anymore. And it's it, God can put your blinders up on that stuff, and you only remember the good. So it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You guys hear me talk a lot, so I'm just going to let them eat into my time, so don't worry about it. Um, Your story, um, though we may have different stories with different things that happen in relationships, whether marriages, friendships, otherwise, um, is indicative of all of us in that um, there was an offense, a deep seemingly unforgivable kind of offense. But then there was a choice that was made. A choice made to deal with the offense. And sometimes I think one of the things we need to dial into the most with forgiving is forgiving is getting an attitude towards sin and wanting to see sin be gone. And so... It's a battle that we're in because the adversary would seek to destroy our lives by one thing leading to another, leading to another. And that was the trajectory of your marriage. All right. There was the event of the affair or the ongoing affair, but it was that was almost like the earthquake to stuff that was buried underneath for years that wasn't being dealt with in your relationship. So the unforgivable kind of offense happens, but you make a decision to move into it. Mm-hmm. I want you to take me back, each of you, a little bit to that decisive moment when you said, no, I'm going to fight sin in this, and we, we are going to try to work on this. Dane? Yeah, I would just have to go back to just hearing God tell me, you're going to stay, and and it was brutal. It was the unforgivable sin. It says in the Bible, you can leave your wife for this. And I just felt the Holy Spirit in me just telling me, you're going to stay. And as much as I wanted to be mad at her, like, I just saw, I mean, it was crazy. Like, we were going to counseling. And I remember telling the counselor, like, he's looking at me like, what, how are you guys okay right now? Like, this is crazy. And I, I, God just transformed her in my eyes. And I think I, when I looked at her, instead of looking at all of the, the disgust and how upset I was, I was looking more in a mirror back at myself at how I was so bad. So I just felt like I needed to forgive. And when you forgive somebody, you're taking, you're taking yourself out of jail. I, I have friends that, that have, he's going on his third marriage now, and he still tells me about how his wife or how his new girlfriend, how she's not perfect, and he's still looking for that right one. And I'm like, dude, you're out of your mind. Like, you've got kids from all these different chicks all over Southern California, (laughs) and you're still looking for that soulmate. Like, there's no soulmate. Like, God gives you who he gives you, and you make it work. And you, you know, like Pastor Kerry said, love is an action, and and you have to love. 
I understand you uh, took Janelle to a hotel or something, or you guys made a decisive moment to say we're going to walk through this and talk about it. Is that correct? And when he started to say, hey, we're going to work on this, you were doing the Heisman Trophy a little bit. Hey, you know, I deal with this. But there was something in you that clicked to make the decision, I'm going to choose to try to work on this. Yeah. I, I wanted for my children what I didn't get, and that was a secure home and parents who loved each other. And it killed me um, to think that my choices would then outreach them, and then they're mm-hmm. continuing. My, my choices would then continue to outreach them. And one of my biggest drives was for our children, um, but then it, it quickly turned into for myself, that mm-hmm. I wanted a relationship here on earth, that God gave us these, uh, marriage for joy, like, it's just for fun, and it wasn't this drudgery thing. And so when we started to realize, um, when we had that conversation um, before we actually started to move forward, it was kind of like, all right, this is where we got to make this choice. Um, this is what my heart wants. This is what you want, and we'll give it a good, the best shot we've got. But, yeah. So talk to me about um, the forgiveness aspect itself. Was it a moment in time, or... You still deal with this. I'm still forgiving. Hmm. <laughs> I would agree that it's still daily. Yeah. There's, I mean, I would imagine 50 years down the road, something happens, you're still forgiving your spouse uh, for things daily. Um, I love the quote, and I can't remember. I think it's C.S. Lewis. A marriage is built of two good forgivers hmm. daily, even without, you know, infidelity. And I think. Um, even a couple weekends ago, we had one of the worst fights we've had in years, and it was kind of like after it was like, whoa, um, no, you know, we had a different way of handling it and dealing with it, and we had to forgive from that. And so the little, the small, insignificant, still daily, and going back to the big infidelity, I think there's still, uh, for me and for Dane, there's, if I can speak for you, um, still a forgiveness aspect. It, it takes two of you too. I mean. If it was just me, like, begging for her to come back, like, it's not going to work. She has to be willing to forgive all of my mess, too, because that's why she got into what she did was because she wasn't approving of how I treated her. And it's tough. It takes two of you. And I have people that I've talked to and tried to help. You know, I have a friend who was in the same situation, and theirs didn't turn out good like ours. But he, at first, when I told this one, he's uh, he was hesitant, like, I can't forgive her for that, you know. And a couple of days go by, and I talked to Janelle. And I was like, man, I, I, I just opened up to this guy. I feel so awkward now because he was. I just knew he was an acquaintance. And then a couple of days later, he calls me. He's like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I save my marriage? And he fought, and they actually got divorced, and it was sad. And then a couple of years later, I come to find out that they had gotten back together, and they had a child. They and, remarried. Yeah, they had remarried. another baby. Their family is and now. He, and he was like, man, your testimony just helped us so mm-hmm. much. And you know, we don't want to get up here and just share our messy past, but I wish it could just be like the pictures, like, look how happy we looked, right? <laughs> I didn't look very happy in the wedding picture, but <laughs> but we're happy now. I sure and, do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just awesome that our, our story, us sharing our dirty laundry, can help anybody else out. And, just and through the hope of Jesus Christ. Not what we did, not what we, our strength, because you saw what we did with our strength and um, submitting. Um, let me ask you one more question, um, and Janelle, to you, probably more so than Dane, but Dane, you can play in as well. A lot of times with the issue of uh, forgiving, uh, we think in terms of I've got to forgive the offense of another person. But there's also a forgiving of yourself that you have to deal with in this. Did you wrestle with that? Absolutely. And I still sometimes would honestly say that still sometimes it does have to, I think, creeps in and I'll have to remember how God sees me how the man who stayed with me sees me and how um, it is forgotten that God has cast away as far as the east is from the west and that my choices now reflect where um, my relationship with God and so for years I did, I had to, I would say, yeah, you know, I would put on a brave front. And I, I forgiven myself and I had to do that daily and a lot she at the beginning. She lost every friend she had. So this girl had a really tough road. So yeah, I would have to also add on that 
these things do not come without consequences. Um, even though we decided to stick it out and um, trust God in that, there were many of consequences that came with my actions. And um, again, each time I was faithful um, and obedient to God and what he wanted me to do, he was faithful to bring in what I lost. He replaced like tenfold. He, what I lost in friendships, he brought back best friends. What I lost in um, just respect or grace, he brought for me in our relation, my relationship with God. So, yeah, I did wrestle with that, and um, it took – there was no magic formula for it. It was a lot of prayer, a lot of submitting to God and realizing what the mess I had made of myself and being humble enough to um, say I did wrong, and I don't want to live wrong anymore. I want I want to live in the sun. <laughs> I want to live in the right. So I think repentance is such a critical aspect to the issue of forgiveness and uh, the contrition of spirit of soul. But you both reached out um, to the only one who's able to give the healing that's in the midst of such brokenness, and that's Jesus Christ and what he did for us and being able to receive him into your life. Great testimony, what happened here at the church that day, that kind of thing. And uh, just be able to allow that grace then to be applied to the brokenness in your own life. But uh, to, you know, there's no salvation without repentance, the scripture teaches. And there is that place of contrition you come to and say, Lord, bring healing into this brokenness. You know, when I uh, stand before a couple sometimes in weddings, I'll exhort them that through Christ you have the power to do three things. And your testimony reminds me of those three things. The first is the power to fathom your mate's differences. And we're different. <laughs> How we're wired, that some of the residuals brought into the marriage. He gives us power to fulfill our mate's needs. But ultimately, he can give us power to forgive our mate's mistakes. And... Um, just so grateful on behalf of the whole church family that you guys are willing to be able to be vulnerable, transparent, to share your testimony, and to be able to maybe see this testimony as a means of breathing hope into maybe some marriages that are here, to breathe hope into some marriages that are broken that you're counseling your friends with or relatives with. God is able to bring healing even when the pit is so deep. As Corey Ten Boom said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Mm -hmm. And in that pit, God can reach out and bring his mercy and his grace. So thank you very much, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. With their testimony, I just want to spend a few moments, we won't go long this morning, to be able to exhort us in this area of grace. Because if we don't understand it very well, then it's not going to be a vital element in our marriages, in our relationship with our friends, with our co-workers, with our relatives. And we do have to have power to forgive one another's mistakes. But that isn't a suck it up, do better, get over it, all's going to be okay, get on your way. Because if we choose to ignore that which is broken, it will only get deeper and darker and more frustrating. The adversary is out to steal your joy. He's out to steal your very life. He's out to bust up your marriage, to bust up your friendships, to bust up churches, you name it. The adversary hates healthy, dynamic, whole relationships. We are sinful beings. We have that all in common. And as sinful beings, we are going to sin. And as a church and as Christian followers, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, we should not get mushy with the sin stuff. We should not compromise with the sin stuff. Sin is sin. It's hard. It's real. It's ugly. And it's devastating. But as Christians and as church... We need to deal with that reality and come in with a beautiful understanding of why Jesus Christ came to this earth. Jesus Christ came to break the power of sin as well as to forgive our sin. And this Jesus Christ whom we worship and we serve, this Jesus Christ who in three weeks from today, I can't believe it's three weeks from today, Easter, comes very early this year. This Jesus Christ who died on a cross for our sins, was raised from the grave, breaking the chains of death itself, is able 
to work as a potent force in your life today, wherever you're at, in any relationship, in any place in your life. And don't forget it. But let's not be mamby-pamsy kind of idea with our sin. Sin is sin. God, Scripture says God hates divorce. Do you know that? He hates it. Why? Because it breaks people and it ruins what he envisioned for the relationships to be in marriages and the wholeness of families. And part of your testimony there was coming back to say, I want a whole family. I don't want to have to live in this divided world in the future. You know, not that that's, you know, that God can't work in that. And many of you come from broken marriages and there's broken homes represented here. I understand that's the real world that we live in. But God has an ideal and a beauty that he wants to pour in. And Satan doesn't like it. So he will fight tooth and nail to destroy your relationships. And when sin emerges, if it's not dealt with through the power of Christ, it'll bring devastation. A thought leads to an action. An action leads to a habit. And a habit leads to destruction. It's his game plan. And scripture says to take our stand against the devil's schemes and fight. And you guys chose to fight not only the issue of divorce, you chose, Dane and Janelle, to fight the adversary and say, it's enough, enough, we're not going that direction. And so if you're in that place today, you're counseling somebody in that place, do not, do not discard the sin. But do not sit in judgment of anyone because of their sin. That's not your role. That's not my role. What your role is, is to unpackage and display the beauty of God's grace and his transforming power because he is adamant about working in relationships with his grace. I have this quote from, you mentioned C.S. Lewis. There was another C.S. Lewis quote related to forgiveness. I like this one. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. What a great story, Dane and Janelle and that but wait a second. What about your life? What about my life? Who has brought an offense that we're still tripping over and we're still allowing the adversary to win the day in? In Luke 17, 3, it says this, story of Jesus. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. There is much I could talk about with that particular verse, but I like what it says there when the apostles turned to him and said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Because they knew that this whole issue of of sin and unforgiveness and being able to forgive people was a pretty heavy deal. And Jesus is saying, hey, seven times a day if that person, you turn and you again ask for forgiveness that you must forgive. And they're just going, what? Are you kidding me? There is no possible way. And they said, Lord, show us how to increase, increase our faith in you. I want you to be great forgivers. But to be a great forgiver, you have to be one who realizes how greatly they have been forgiven. And Jesus ties these two to get these two together in a lot of what he says and he speaks about. You know, when somebody forgives you, I mean, when somebody brings an offense towards you, what do you normally do? Think about it. A lot of times, if there's brokenness, and I can relate to this in my own life and some recent kinds of offenses that broke relationships and harm that I felt was inflicted on me kind of deal, that you have a tendency to become cold towards the other person. You have a tendency sometimes to try to shame the other person. Sometimes you try to do that by acting merciful to them, But in your acting of uh, merciful to them, what you're really doing is being self-righteous before them because you're not recognizing yourself and all that you're doing. So you may be cold. You may try to shame them. We become demanding of them. Sometimes we slander them. 
Sometimes we slander them under the guise of, you know, sharing our hurts with others so that they can sort of pray for us, maybe. But what you're really doing is slandering them. Sometimes we actively seek to hurt them. And sometimes we just secretly root for their failure. You ever been there? Subtle, small ways that show that there's unforgiveness in your heart. And the sin that brought about the offense then turns you into acting on sin that's almost like ripe fruit for you to grab a hold of. And then you begin acting in ways that are sinful back towards someone else. And so the cyclone starts to spin and all kind of damage begins to happen. Dan Allender says forgiveness involves canceling the debt that is owed in order to give a taste of the glory of God. And I think this is critical for us because it's helped me so much to understand that when I need to forgive someone, what I'm actually being called to do is to forgive and let go of a debt I now feel that they owe me. If you're going to be able to forgive someone with God's grace, then you need to reckon with how much you have been robbed. Dane, when you were driving the truck, a lot of miles to think. You're stewing. There's a lot of activity that happens. And I, w- I want to encourage you guys on, on this whole subject of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Scriptures teach us that God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west, but it's sort of like a hyperbole analogy. The Scriptures also teach that uh, we be held accountable for our sins, that there's a day of reckoning. So is scripture wrong in this? Or where does this idea come from? To forgive somebody does not mean to forget and move on. It's a part of your story. Just as surely as you guys are vulnerable today to share a part of your story, you're not, oh, to forgive means I just got to forget it. Forget it, forget it, forget it. No, it's there. Now, I do believe with God, it's out of his mind. It's not always before him. He can grab it. There's a day of reckoning coming. But he separates our sin as far as the east from the west, and he sees his righteousness in us if we had chosen to let Jesus dwell within us. And we act that way towards another person. But forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Neither does forgiveness mean you're not angry. Oh, I've forgiven him. I'm no longer angry. I tell you what, you're going to be angry. You know why? Because you have a sense of justice in being wronged. And you were wrong. So acknowledge it. And they may not acknowledge it. Oh, get over it. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you know that there was a wrong and there's anger. Jesus got angry all the time, but it was a righteous kind of anger because the glory of God and the beauty of God was not supreme in those moments and in those people and in, and in the religion of those individuals in that community. So forgiveness It doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. And forgiveness doesn't mean that there's not a sense of revenge that you have. The scriptures teach, it says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, you know, if your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. Hungry, give him something to eat. In doing so, you'll heat burning coals on their head. Now, that's an obscure passage. It wasn't mean to heat burning coals on someone's head. That sort of sounds rather mean. But it was how they carried fire from one place to another. And so if you gave your coals to someone to carry on their head to another place, you were blessing them. It is not your job to take revenge, but your desire for revenge is very legitimate. Why? Because you and I are made in the image of God, and God is a God of justice. A God of justice. We see it all around. We see all kinds of politics emerging, all kinds of initiatives happening, because we feel that people are done injustice, right? So don't feel like forgiveness means forgetting or forgiveness means "Ah, I just got to deny the anger or forgiveness doesn't mean that I don't have a sense of revenge. But you've got to leave room for God's wrath. It's God's job to take revenge. So let's just defer it to him. Instead, you choose to bless. Janelle, I want this marriage to work. Janelle, I love you. Those flowers are not to manipulate you. They're out of desire in my heart. I want to care for you. I want our relationship, our marriage, our family to be whole. All right? You choose to go a path that's one of blessing and love and forgiveness. You leave all the other stuff to God because he's been dealing with it from the get-go. 
from the Garden of Eden. And that's why he chose to send Christ. Say, time out. Going to interrupt history. We're going to send my very presence into the midst of the world. Sinless life. Live, die, be raised from the grave. This week I had the opportunity to see uh, the movie The Risen. And have you seen The Risen that has coming out? And it's a movie in theaters. It's seen through the eyes of one of the Roman uh, soldiers, a, a, a character uh, by the name of Clavius that um, was made for the movie. And um, it was just an interesting way to watch the whole death and resurrection of Christ in this movie, The Risen. But man, the hope that comes from it, knowing that God entered this world, he dealt with it, and he's still dealing with the issue of sin. To forgive sin, to help us overcome the power of sin, and one, way, one day to dispel sin altogether in this world. So that's God's rule through Christ. What you're doing is you're hugging on to that. You're sort of, you know, strapping yourself to the mass. I am going to hold on to Christ in this. And we are going to move through this. And his power in me, working to be able to forgive, is going to transform the relationship at hand. So we have to understand this issue of forgiveness. But ultimately, this forgiveness issue as it relates to you and I being able to deal business is to forgive a debt you feel somebody owes you. And to do that, you've got to reckon that you've been robbed. All right? So if you're trying to let grace work in a relationship right now, don't ignore it. Sweep it under the rug. Don't feel bad for being angry or having a sense of revenge. No, that's appropriate. But you have to decide what are you going to do about it now. And we have to reckon with the debt that we owe in our own sinfulness in order to deal with the debt that we have to relinquish in the life of someone else. I want to encourage you to turn to your scriptures if you have them. We're just going to quickly read the parable of the unmerciful servant or the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Matthew 18, verse 21. It says this, Then Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Now, he thought he was being very generous seven times. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, which means you only have to forgive somebody 490 times. No. Jesus was saying a myriad of times. Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. And he goes into this parable who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will repay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven of a million plus bucks, right? And said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Those aren't my words. Those are Jesus' words. And those words from that story make you go, whoa, whoa. If you're going to forgive, you got to reckon that a robbery's happened. You've been robbed. But you also have to reckon with the reality that you have robbed God. 
by your actions, by your sin, by your double-mindedness. And yet God chose to send his son so that you can have forgiveness and that you can have life and life eternal. That was God's action. But God demonstrated his love towards us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. Scriptures teach. But how can that happen? I doubt if your marriage would have made it if you had not chosen on that day when you sat in that church to say, I surrender all. The power to forgive is not there without the power of Christ dwelling within you. And when you have an issue of forgiveness, you're not discarding it, what's been harmed and why you've been done wrong. You are embracing the Christ who has forgiven you much so you can forgive those who have sinned against you much. That is the only path to walk. And it's not a moment in time forgiveness. It is a 70 times 7. Sometimes I think that 70 times 7 is not 70 times 7 of a multitude of different kinds of sins. It's 70 times 7 of sometimes the very same sin. I mean, I prayed for you guys last night, and we'll pray for you again, because just the, the standing up to give witness to your testimony ticks off the devil. And so you may have a very bad week. It's just reality. I have the spiritual realm. That's just what it is. And he, the adversary, may fight you by dredging up stuff. That's why I knew when we talked about doing it next week instead of this week. I wanted to do it this week, actually. Then I found out it was our anniversary. I'm like, oh, that sort of not be good. And so the adversary wants you to go back and stew and meal and all that resentment of it. No, you're going to cling to the power of Christ again every day this week. And you're going to say, I have been forgiven much. I will choose to again today forgive. And when you forgive someone, you are releasing them from the debt that they owe you. Or they owe me something. They did me wrong. I can't believe they took that money from me. I can't believe that they slandered that way to my boss. I can't believe that they harmed me that way. And maybe it's an offense of recent days. Maybe it's an offense that goes back to your childhood. Somebody sexually abused you or somebody didn't care for you the way that you should have been cared for. And you carry around resentment and bitterness. Friends, you've heard the testimonies over and over again, not just the one today. But it will destroy you if we don't let go of that. We don't let go of it just to discard it. Oh, mamby Pam, see, that's just the word. No, you discard it to Christ. You place it at the foot of the cross and you say, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's for you. And you turn it over into the hands of God through the power of Jesus Christ, and hopefully he'll work on that individual. There'll be some reconciliation. By the way, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. They're two separate things, but you work on them. You have to have forgiveness before there's reconciliation. But you are not to hold on to that. You are to let that go to God, and you are choose, choosing to walk in his grace and his forgiveness. But it's not easy to relinquish debt. Think about it. Have you ever had somebody owe you money and they didn't pay you back? That's hard because sometimes it's a lot of money. I have learned these days if I let somebody borrow money that I have to choose at that moment that I'm giving it to them. They may not pay me. Now, don't tell anybody that I give money to them. <laughs> I had somebody this last week that was without money and I said, oh, here, let me have 20 bucks. And so, oh, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. I said, well, whatever. Because I knew when I gave him the 20 bucks, there probably wasn't a chance I was going to see it come back. But that's okay. Because I'm choosing to forgive a debt. You have to choose to forgive the debt that the person owes you. Don't go cold. Don't continue to shame them. Don't try to hurt them. Don't go and gossip around the corner about them. Just let it go. But you're letting it go to Christ, to God. And this is not easy work. It's not easy work at all, and I tell you why, and you know why, because you live in the same world that I live into, because forgiveness has to come out on a daily basis, but we need to do it for the sake of not only our own goodness, but for the sake of the glory and the witness of God. Forgiveness is required for your healing. 
I also believe forgiveness is required for you to grow in your intimacy with Christ. I know when I've been deeply offended, I'm just amazed that Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm like, what? And he was God. And people discarded him. Pure character. Brings your own healing. It brings you close in an intimacy with Christ and understanding his sufferings. But I also believe that the forgiveness is required for us to have the beauty of witness that we need to have as a community. There's a verse in Hebrews that says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you realize, church, Christ follower, whether you're part of this local church, you're part of another local church, friends, our witness as followers of Christ hinges on this issue of forgiveness and grace. The world desperately needs it. We have been given the gift through Christ. We offer it to one another. And through the beauty of that kind of community, the world is attracted to Jesus. But if we're divisive, if we're sinful, if we're indifferent to one another, if we're embittered, if we're cold, if we don't deal with things, and next week we're going to talk about how to deal with conflict, all right? So we're not easily skirting this issue. We, we destroy the witness of Jesus in our world. And people go, I just like everyone else. But if we love one another, can you imagine what that does in bringing out the beauty and the glory of God? I want to be a part of that family. Look how they act with one another. Can I be adopted into that family? Jesus says yes. Do you say yes? Forgiveness, vital not only for your own healing and to grow in your identity with Christ, but it's vital for our witness as a community. I close with this quote. I really like this quote when I came across it from Tim Keller. He's pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan. He says this, The currency of forgiveness is nails and wood. Forgiveness is always about pain. You will be in pain if you refuse to forgive, and you will be in pain if you do forgive. So which pain will you choose? Will you choose the pain that heals? You like that? The currency of forgiveness is nails and wood. No one is telling you that this is easy to forgive. Dane, was it for easy to forgive? Janelle, is it easy to forgive? No. The currency is through nails and wood. That's what Jesus did. You just have to make a decision. Which pain are you going to live in? The pain of unforgiveness or the pain of forgiving that will lead to healing, that will lead to intimacy with the one who suffered for you, that will lead to the grandeur of a witness in a community that can change the world. I want us to pray. I'm going to invite the team to come. I want us to pray, and I want to pray not just for you. I want to pray for some specific people in this room today because you need a fresh touch of the power of Jesus Christ to forgive sin and to forgive others. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning so, so, so sinking dependent on you. Because in our sinful, fallen human natures, we have no power and ability to let grace abide and be extended to others or even to receive grace ourselves. And Jesus, through the power of your spirit in this moment, I pray that you would touch that individual heart. Maybe it's an individual marriage or maybe it's two friends sitting beside one another. That you would touch that heart and you would bring them to a fresh place of hope through humble, broken obedience to repent and turn towards you. And allow your power to allow your grace to bring a fresh forgiveness Not only that they would receive, but one that they would extend to others. Jesus, you paid it all. You paid the debt. We feel sometimes others owe us a debt. 
And we just need to relinquish that debt. No longer keeping it on the ledgers. No longer keeping it on the Excel sheet. We're done. That is not money. That's not a debt that's owed us. They don't owe us anything more. We relinquish them and we relinquish them to you. For you are the perfect and just God and you will deal with all things in your time and your way. Lord, for the burden that's on some individual or some couple here this morning, I pray that you would speak to them and allow them to embrace you and release that. And in the quietness of this moment, I also want to pray just with heads bowed and eyes closed, give you the opportunity that was given to Janelle and Dane. If you've never received the forgiveness that Jesus wants to bring into your life by repenting and allowing him to be the leader and the savior of your life, I want to exhort you, there is no other way to go but to commit your life to Jesus. He will not destroy your life. He will make your life. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your leader and Lord this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to pray a prayer with you. If you would say, I want to receive Jesus this morning, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus Christ this morning. Yes, anyone else? Just a simple hand saying, I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. Amen, amen. Just quickly, anyone else, you're acknowledging before God, Jesus, come into my life. Yes. I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me, yes. Just repeat it in the quietness of your soul, dear Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for what you did on the cross. That you came into this world. You took my sin upon you. And you paid the penalty that I could not by dying on that cross. And Jesus, I thank you that you broke the power of sin by being raised from the grave. That you arrested death. And I now, Jesus, invite you, I receive you into my life to be my Savior, to be my leader, and to be my Lord. Not that I've got everything cleaned up. I invite you, Jesus, to come in and strengthen and clean up my life in this very moment. I repent of my sin and I turn towards you. Come into my life and I will choose to worship you the rest of my life as you enable me and give you the glory. I want to be a Christ follower from this day forward. Amen. And amen. There's some individuals that prayed that prayer this morning by their upraised hands. Let's praise the Lord for the beauty of His power of transformation. I want you to know, wherever you're at in your spiritual life or your journey of forgiveness, reach out to someone. Bring them in to talk through even this morning, if you need to talk through with someone, I encourage you to do so. And there's some time you can pray back by the cross. We're going to close with this song. The ushers are going to come to receive uh, the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as uh, your connection cards. And if you pray to receive Christ this morning, just mark that on there. Pray to receive Christ. I want to follow up with you, encourage you. Um, if you have um, a deep prayer need in this area of forgiveness and you want it to be confidential, you can always just circle your prayer request. And I know when a prayer request is circled, that's confidential and it doesn't go to all the other prayer uh, people that we uh, passed up to. But ushers come. Let's sing this together. Joe, let's rejoice in the goodness of God. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Let's sing this out. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense. My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Sin runs deep.
grace is more, where grace is found, it's where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in me, it's Christ in me, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh God, how I need you So teach my soul to Not stand up on you, Jesus. You're my hope and stay. When I cannot stand up on you, Jesus, you're my hope and stay. My hope and stay, Lord. I need you. Oh, I need. Oh God, how I need 